On this week's episode, we talk about a very sad attempt at review bombing, the Steam Deck OLED being revealed, Sony delaying half of its live service titles, while WB is focusing on even more live service titles, there are more layoffs happening, this time with Unity, our thoughts on some of the Game Awards nominations, and more. All that tonight, but first, on to that beautiful Bean intro. Welcome to the place where PC and console gaming talk combine. This is the Orange Box Podcast, Episode 6. I am your host, the man whose Game Awards nomination is for the best streamer to an audience of zero, Nathan, also known as the Frozen Gamer 87. And joining me is the man whose Game Awards nomination is for the best black PC-centric content creator to properly rock both Samus's helmet and arm cannon. My co-host, Justin, better known as I Am Zericon. How you doing today? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm doing very well, very well. Oh, man. Um, Oddly specific. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but I, I am... A lot of interesting stuff uh, has happened this past week, which, uh, of course, we'll be talking about, and right. it's one of the topics for the evening, but... It, it definitely, I guess, would say would be interesting. Um, and of course, we're going to be in- entering the season of of uh, discounted games, discounted mm-hmm. stuff. So it's going to be a very interesting time of year. How, how, how's it going for you, sir? Uh, not too bad. It's been kind of a, an interesting week. I mean, between the news stuff, as you as you mentioned, which obviously we'll be talking about later, and um, just kind of uh, where things are with getting to the end of the year and being at like a point in work where there are days where it's just not very busy and it's kind of hard to fill the time occasionally. Um, I mean, I find stuff to do. It's just sometimes it's kind of stretching things a bit. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things, but uh, let's talk about games. So what have you been <laughs> playing this week? Alright, so, I've gotten back into Sekiro, and I'm very glad I did. Uh, I was I was going back to the boss that I was struggling with before when I mm-hmm. took my break, and I didn't record it at the time, because, as I mentioned before, for whatever reason, uh, when I'm trying to record from my Steam Deck, uh, I, can't rec- I can't hear any audio, so this time I just played it handheld. It took me probably about... Actually, when I first uh, probably took me about three times before I got through the first phase, mm-hmm. and then probably took me about ooh at least maybe twelve times before I finally beat the boss. And so I'm very pleased. And there's a funny thing that happened, which I don't necessarily want to steal your thunder because that's gonna be when you talk about. It, but it happened the same night when you were going through your trial. Okay. Which they'll be talking about later on. Yeah. Um, but I've made some progress there, and so I'm happy to finally continue on with the journey of the game. I've also been playing some more Stardew Valley, just because even though I, when I played it last week, I was sort of just playing as a way to relax. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get some more time into getting some more of the achievements of the game, and so 
I've been going throughout the caves trying to find some dinosaur eggs so I can help uh, complete the museum project going on in there, so I'm working on that. And then lastly, uh, I actually played this last night, was Transformers War for, I'm sorry, Fall of Cybertron. And that's a game that I've wanted to play. I, I still want to play the first game, but the problem is that it's delisted and you can't really find those games anymore. But, uh, and actually if anyone wants to, Amazon, and this is actually legitimately Amazon's not a third-party seller, is still selling keys for War, for Fall of Cybertron, and I think Rise of the Dark Spark. Uh, so, even though I heard that one's pretty terrible, <laughs> but they're selling, they still have the keys for those games, so if you want to buy those games, you can actually do that. The only thing is, I would say, is the downside is the fact that it's fully priced, so you have to pay $50, but considering the fact that the game is not for sale anymore, mm -hmm. that's still pretty good. But from what I've played of the game so far, it's very enjoyable. This is definitely something that I really would have liked to have played back when it was really originally released. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and for some reason, when I checked my Steam Deck today, it actually says it is playable. Okay. Uh, so that I think is interesting. I'll have to try that later. The only thing I don't like is the fact that as far as the game settings go, everything is preset. You can't manually adjust different settings. Yeah. So that's something I would have liked to have seen. But other than that, though, I think that it's pretty solid and pretty fun. Yeah, I checked out that gameplay footage you sent me earlier. What, what I looked at, it looked pretty cool. So in, in, from watching it, it looked like it was more of like a third-person action kind of game. Is that correct? Yeah, primarily a third-person shooter. Uh, yeah, that's just what I meant, with, but yeah. Yeah, some, yeah, just pretty much that. And, I mean, there's small melee, but it doesn't take part of the core gameplay. Gotcha. And, of course, you can transform. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it looks pretty cool. Just one of those where, it's like, I don't, I don't want to spend fifty dollars on it. And that's, <laughs> if, I mean, I have too many games already as it is. I mean, if it if it was like dirt cheap, then I'd be willing to go hmm. for it. But for fifty bucks, it's like, eh, I don't, I don't care that much. I just don't. <laughs> I, ha I haven't, I haven't followed Transformers in any form since probably the second live action movie came out, and then I just gave up on it after that <laughs> well uh, to be fair i i wouldn't necessarily blame you for that right no i mean i i enjoyed the first one but the second one was not good and i mean i did <laughs> i did see the third one and that one was fine but it i just was like nah that's okay i'm done with it <laughs> yeah but yeah uh anything else uh, no, I, there, there's one thing that I want to play, but I think I'll, pro I'll I'll probably be playing that later on just because I want to get some footage for something. Gotcha. But uh, I'll probably be covering that next week. Very cool. Yeah, you need to start putting up some more videos. I, I mean, of course, then again, I never get notified whenever you put up videos, so <laughs> I always have to manually check your channel. Have you put anything up recently? Uh, last night I put up was just a... Uh, just a brief covering, or I guess not really brief, but a covering of uh, the Steam Deck OLED. So that was the last. Oh, thing I, I didn't see that. Okay, I need to. I need to find that because yeah, I definitely want to. I mean, obviously, I'll hear your thoughts a bunch tonight, but I still like to watch your videos, so I'll be checking that out for sure. Cool, cool. Um, as far as what I've been playing over the past week, um, I've spent a little bit of time, a little bit more time on Red Dead Redemption on Switch. Um, 
Didn't play a ton, mostly because I think I really only played it, um, uh, basically just, like, during a lunch break, lunch breaks at work, and that was about it. So I, I didn't get to play that a whole lot, um, I don't know, I maybe played a couple hours in the past week, but, uh, games that I did play some more of, um, Played a little more Katamari Damacy, which I did not record any new footage, so I'll probably just kind of splice out um, uh, the part of the footage that didn't get shown the last time, uh, but you know, I still didn't make it past that same level that I'm stuck on. Um, I did I did find that my, um, my PS2 copy does have a manual that explains all the different uh, movements, but it's still horrible <laughs> to control. <laughs> I was looking it up to see if there was like any sort of uh, mods that you could get for the controls, and they're like, "No, you can't. You can't have mods for this. <laughs> you, you you have to play it the the odd controls. That's the charm of this game. And I mean, one thing that at least helps me a little bit mentally is that someone has explained it as each stick acts as one arm. So it's like mm. right right stick is the right arm, and left stick is the left arm, and so that at least mentally." That makes helps sense. me helps me to try to get my brain wrapped around it. That's not to say that I've tried it since then, and I, it still will probably be difficult. But I don't know. I'll, I'll give it a try eventually again. It was just more my kids wanted to watch it, so I, I did my Steam Link in the living room and just played it on the TV a little bit. Um, but the big things that I played this week, uh, of course, I played some more Ghost Runner Two, and I finished it. I finished that actually on stream. Um, I'm embarrassed at how long it took me to figure out that parrying that attack just required holding the button for longer. Uh, you know, because it's like if I had figured that out, I would have saved myself a bunch of time. I mean, that last stage was still really hard. Um, or, well, the last, like, uh, regular combat stage for the boss because it's just the environmental stuff more than anything else that was the problem. But... I did beat it, and it was fantastic. Um, definitely my game of the year, without question. Um, the boss fights in that game are just really, really good. And, um, I mean, yeah, the the ones like like the last boss fight, because there's, like, I, there's basically a few fights that are more environmental-focused entirely. Um, like the that big sandworm that I talked about last week that you fight while on the motorcycle, and then there's a couple others where it's a lot more platforming than anything else. Um, but then there's like three fights, three or four fights that are specifically more just one-on-one um, -on -one combat focused. Um, of course, the last one was like a combination of the two, but it was just really, really hard. Um... I think probably if I tried it again from the beginning of the fight, I would be able to get through it a lot faster, at least through the earlier stages, just because I know what stuff to watch out for better. And, you know, of course, now that I know how to properly block, um, how to properly parry those slow motion attacks, that, that'll make a, a massive difference. But um, I don't know. I'll probably replay the game eventually or and or at least go through some of the levels again to get collectibles and whatnot. I'm guessing probably some of them you can't actually get until you have all the abilities that you get throughout the campaign, uh, particularly the uh, the very last ability that you get that's really 
really nifty for traversal. Um, but yeah, I, I thoroughly loved that game. Um, it's hard for me to say for sure if I like this one or the first one better. But probably this one. Um, I don't think it's quite as much of a like obvious as between Portal and Portal 2, where Portal 2 was hands down my favorite. Um, but it definitely still was just like super solid. Lots of great stuff throughout the entire game, and um, it definitely improved on a lot of things, added more stuff, and it, it was it was just fantastic. So, so yeah, um, finished that up, and then. Um, I decided to do a couple other like miscellaneous things. Um, one of the things I did a while back on my Steam Deck is I got some uh, graphical mods for Final Fantasy VII that basically just uh, upgrade, update all the character models so that basically they're more in line with uh, what they look like in the cutscenes, at least in the ones where they're actually like uh, correctly proportioned instead of being the chibi versions. And... Um, so, so I I had installed that on my Steam Deck sometime early this year, played it a bit, and then I think at one point I had uninstalled Final Fantasy VII, and when I reinstalled it, the mods were not installed properly anymore, like they got messed up or something, and for a while I just couldn't figure out how to get it right, and I didn't want to go back in and try to figure it out, but I finally decided to go back and do that, so... I recorded some gameplay for from that, and um, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, just it, it's neat having no more chibi models throughout the game. So, because that was the one thing that always bugged me about Final Fantasy VII was the fact that it just was inconsistent. You know, there would be some points where you have the chibi models, which is very similar to what you had in like all the previous 2D games, but then you'd have other points where you'd have the fully full-sized models. And, of course, you know, like in combat, it was always full-sized models and everything. So this mod basically just makes it so that you have full-size the entire time. Matches much more what they're like in cutscenes. Um, that includes in the cutscenes, they've they've replaced the chibi models with the full-size models. Um, and then they also um, make it so that any any area where you have the screen can scroll back and forth. Uh, they they made it so that it's widescreen. So so they oh. it, it's not cutting anything off. It's just basically taking what's hidden over on normally hidden on one side of the screen and revealing it. So um, it's pretty cool. I mean, like it doesn't apply in absolutely every area because some areas don't have anything on the sides of the screen. They just have a narrow window and that's it. But uh, it does does add it in for the rest of them and. Um, also added some um, uh, well runs at 60 frames per second um, including the cutscenes and what else um, I mean it cleans up the textures a bit but not in a way to where it looks like a Vaseline effect it just looks really good across the board um, and it's kind of like that that uh, I guess you could say almost like a remaster that we never got because, I mean, of course you have Final Fantasy VII Remake, but that's a completely different story for the most part. Because, um, you know, the game never states this, and I'm sure it'll be one of those things that is revealed down the line. And this isn't not, well, this could technically be considered a spoiler for Final Fantasy VII Remake series. So, 
If you're sensitive to that, just be warned, this might be a spoiler. But there's a theory out there, and I think it's a correct theory, that Final Fantasy VII Remake is a sequel to Advent Children. So, I how, how familiar are you with uh, Final Fantasy VII and Advent Children and all that stuff? Uh, pretty familiar with Seven. I I've seen Advent Children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if there's like anything different if, as far as with Advent Children Complete. If there's something in that version, that's not not that really. It's just a couple of extra scenes. I mean, nothing that really changes the plot. Um, but basically, you know, at the at the very end of Advent Children, you have Sephiroth saying, "I will never become a memory." And so the theory is that after that point, he somehow figures a way, probably through the live stream, you know, Nomura storytelling, um, <laughs> to go to essentially transfer himself back in time to ch- to prevent himself from dying by changing the events of the past. And so, and that's. I mean, and that's why, like, throughout Remake, you'll have spots where they'll have flashes of the stuff that happened in the original story. And it's just interesting. That theory, like, as soon as I heard that theory, that made me completely get over the frustration I had about them changing the story. Because it's like, okay, if this is part of the same continuity, doesn't ignore all the stuff that happened in the past... I mean, it's like you could say Final Fantasy VII is the only true version of the story. Everything after that is just fan fiction. And if you want to say that, that's perfectly fine. You know, you got Final Fantasy VII, great game in and of itself. That's all you need. But if you want to continue on, you have all the other stuff, you know, Crisis Core and Advent Children. And I think Dirge of Cerberus has kind of been wiped off the map. Um, They kind of brushed it under the rug, pretended that doesn't exist. I need to try replaying that game, see if if, it, if it's still as bad as it felt back in the day. It might feel better now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Eh, all that being said, the mods are great. Um, the one... The biggest issue I did have with, it, with installing it, though, initially, was that there's... This particular mod has, like, a newer version than I had previously used... And the new version doesn't seem to work on Steam Deck. Like, it just... It keeps erroring out. It doesn't install properly. And so... I wasn't able to get that. So I eventually was able to just... Decided, okay, I'm going to go and find... The mod I used before. Which is the older version of the same mod. And that works fine. So... It's it's worth checking out. You can do it on Steam Deck. You can do it on PC. It's not, it's not particularly complicated to do. You just have to have a legitimate copy of the game. And that's it. Um... But the last thing that I played and has basically been my life for the past few days has been Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain. And the footage I'm going to be showing, I'll first be showing off some footage that's actually recorded from the Steam Deck. Um, looks pretty good considering that it's, it's playing on the Steam Deck. Uh, this is basically just default settings and it's like medium to high and it's running at 60 frames per second almost constantly. Like, occasionally it'll get dropped down to 58, but that's about the lowest it seems to get. Um, it just looks and performs really, really well on Steam Deck. Um, and then I also, like, put uh, played quite a bit on, on my PC, but I'll kind of let some of the Steam Deck footage play first. Um, so the thing with this game, like, I had mentioned 
uh, previously when we talked about Metal Gear Solid that I had started this um, after having played through a bunch of the Metal Gear Solid games in a row. And uh, the only reason I stopped playing was because of the fact that Tears of the Kingdom was coming out. And so that came out and then I just didn't get back to it. Um, so I finally got back into it, and one of the things that had been holding me back the most was um, a particular challenge that you you do on on the base, where you, where it's a, a target shooting challenge, and you're you're timed on it. You only have a limited amount of time to track down all these targets. Um, and so the the problem with it though is that. Um, when it comes to tracking down these targets, just one particular uh, set of them, they're like on multiple levels. You start at the very top level, and then if you don't know where all the targets are, it's very easy to miss them. Um, and it's also very easy to accidentally fall off the environment to your death. So I fell to my death many, many times, um, but more often than not, I just couldn't find all the targets. So eventually I looked up a video walkthrough to help me get through that and I finally completed that but then I started getting back into the uh, the actual story and um, I've been really digging it uh, you know it's just kind of like I, I'm fully back into this game <laughs> and uh, I mean I'm only uh, the game says I'm 10% of the way through um, which isn't very far obviously Um but I'm not sure exactly how... I think that that overall percentage is counting all side quests and stuff. So it's probably technically less than that in terms of the percentage. But I also don't know how much of the percentage is made... Uh, the overall percentage is made up of side quests and everything. So... Um, anyway, so yeah, I, I've, been, I've been playing that pretty heavily, both on Steam Deck and on my desktop. And... Um, yeah, I'm really digging it. I'm, I'm having a great time with it. I'm planning to just play this and pretty much nothing else until, well, except for probably dabbling with Red Dead Redemption, um, until I finish it. And then from there, I, I might, I might finally jump into Death Stranding since I have that as well. It's supposed to play well on Steam Deck. Um, but yeah, so... That's about all I have. Um, anything else? Um, actually, I think I have a question going back mm -hmm. to uh, your game of the year. Uh, yeah. So, would you say that after facing, completing the game completely, would you say that the Sandworm boss is still your favorite one oh, so yes. far? Yes. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, that one was so much fun, and it was just, it was such a cool slash unique boss fight. And, you know, one of the things I realized that I love about uh, both Ghost Runner games is that I think, uh, you know, for one, I, I like the first-person parkour. I, I find that just really fun. Like, I got really into it with Mirror's Edge, and um, and then Ghost Runner, you know, has that, plus the ninja stuff, which is, plus cyberpunk. And then what I kind of realized is that really most of these stages are technically puzzles that you have to solve. You have to figure out what the best way is to get through the stage. And um, especially like when it's more platforming based, a lot of it is that. But I mean, even even when it's platforming and encounter based, because you have to figure out, okay, what's the best route to get around the stage, take out the enemies. You can't take any hits because if you take a hit, you go back to the beginning. Um, 
or at least the beginning of that checkpoint. But you know, as you saw watching watching me play um, uh, last week, it it very much is like it's immediate. You know, when you restart, <laughs> so so that helps a lot. And I don't know. I mean, like I love puzzle games. I like parkour stuff. I like the cyberpunk environment. I like ninjas. It's like you you put all those things together, and even though it's a hard game, it it just meshes so well, and it's fantastic. And it should have gotten a Game of the Year nomination, even though I knew it wasn't going to. And the Game Awards don't actually really matter, so but we'll get into all that stuff later. <laughs> uh, you got it? Anything else? Uh, no, I think I think that's it for me. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the news. So first, I just want to share this uh, humorous story I, I found. Um, so, of course, with uh, Microsoft having bought Activision Blizzard King, uh, you have lots of PlayStation fanboys entirely, I mean, especially, who uh, want to go out and review bomb Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 because it's now now Call of Duty is owned by Microsoft. And this isn't to say that necessarily they're wrong for or that that the game is good because from everything I've heard it's actually a really bad game and a lot of people even long-term Call of Duty fans who are Xbox fans can't stand the game. They think it's terrible. Um but the, apparently there's been a bunch of review bombing that was done on the original Modern Warfare 3 and not the new one. And <laughs> I just, I find it hilarious. I mean, it's like, you know, modern the original Modern Warfare 3 was, like, very highly praised. Like, getting excellent reviews all across the board. Everyone who, who likes Call of Duty has said that that is one of the best campaigns they've ever done. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's the multiplayer as well, but... I, I don't know. I just I just find it funny. So uh, your thoughts? Yeah. Initially, when I first saw that when, when you sent it out, I was th- I had, was thinking that it was just people review bombing because they thought it was bad. But then when I actually saw the reason why, or especially like why a lot of people were talking about, I thought, oh my goodness, that is how do you do that? How do you review bomb the wrong game? I mean. Especially, and even if this is for the fact that Microsoft owns Activision now, Modern Warfare 3 is on PlayStation. Why are you so upset about it? The game is there. If you're going to review bomb it, review bomb it if it's bad. But yeah. just the fact that because Microsoft went, I, we already discussed this. I, I mean, we discussed about this topic several times. Get over it. It's over. It, it, the paper, the ink has already dried. There's nothing else you can do at this point, so just take the L. <laughs> in fact, if you were a rational gamer, you wouldn't even have an L to take because you'd, be, you'd think, okay, this has happened. It, it, if I want to play these games that are exclusives, I'll need to buy an Xbox or I'll need to buy a PC. Which, you know, according, way I remember seeing these PlayStation fanboys say, oh yeah, I can buy Xbox games because I've got a PC and I'll play that with my PlayStation games. And now it's well, where's your where's your PC now that you? <laughs> it, it, it's it's just ridiculous. I mean, yeah. How do you even, and, and even that was pointed out. The fact that the logo for the original Modern Warfare Three 
and the current one. They're completely different. <laughs> How do you mess that up? And I mean, I, I don't know what sites they were even used to review bomb, but I'm pretty certain uh, they that it would probably have something like 2009 because I know that at least on Steam for remakes, they've done that like with Resident Evil 4, they have 2005. So, you know, that's the version and Star Wars Battlefront. There's 2002 in parentheses because they want people to know this is the original one, not the right. remake. So if it's something like that, and even if it's not, still, you should know what the cover... They put the cover art right there. The cover art's right there, even if you don't read the title. The cover art. You, you've you seen the cover art for the game, if at least the modern one. You should know this doesn't look right. Yeah. Wow. It's just, it's just people being blind and being blinded <laughs> by fanboyism. And it's just stupid. It's It's dumb. But I thought it was still funny because yeah. it's just it's ridiculous. But now let's move on into normal stories. So the big one, the Steam Deck OLED. All right. So I'm gonna go ahead and let you start first, even though of course you've covered this in your video. Um, but yeah, go go for it. So this. Uh... When I first sent this, saw this, I thought, huh, that's interesting. And it's very funny because that is something that you mentioned before, which I think even going back to maybe the first or second videos that we did, mm. you said one thing you would like to see on the Switch, I'm sorry, the Steam Deck is NOLED screen. And then not too long after, they announced this. And when I saw it, I thought, interesting, uh... Personally, I haven't experienced OLED, so I don't know about how good it is. So mm -hmm. because it's just that, I'm going to pass. It's not for me. But the fact is, though, they brought in more than just OLED. It's even though as far as performance goes, it's the same as the original Steam Deck. But this one does actually have better improvements. Uh, so the fact that it's more of a... Steam Deck 1.5 just because of what they've done and you know they've improved the battery life which is something that people uh, criticized with the original Steam Deck uh, there's supposed to be better cooling which I think would be very good very nice to have uh, one thing that which I think I forgot to mention was the fact that it has they use what what which is it uh Wi-Fi 5.3 or was six, it? 6E. 6, 6E. So you'll have better download speeds. In fact, I think especially if you're that it mentioned if you're uh, doing file transfers from your PC so if you're uh, downloading a game instead of from the Steam servers, downloading it right from your PC, it'll be a whole lot faster. So that's something that is pretty good, I'd say. And it might even be good if you're trying to stream from your PC to your Steam Deck as well, so that might actually be yeah. an improvement there. That's true. Hadn't thought about that. But also, the fact that you have better uh, storage, like before the maximum capacity was 512 gigabytes, now we have a full terabyte. Mm. And I actually have to partial, I have to attribute that to this, not only the Steam Deck, but also the ROG Ally. Mm -hmm. And maybe even the newest versions of the Ionio and GPD Win, because 
from what I had seen, especially back when I was tr- looking into trying to upgrade my storage, mm-hmm. the maximum they you really didn't see too many one gigabyte, uh, twenty two thirty SSDs. Most of them were pretty much capping around five hundred twelve gigabytes. But because there's so much more demand now with these handheld PCs, now we're getting one terabyte SSDs, and they're more mm-hmm. commonplace. So I think that's great, and the fact, and I hope that because of this, uh, developer, well, manufacturers are able to even expand that further to the point that we might even have two terabyte SSDs in the twenty-two thirty uh, size. So I think that's very nice, and of course. There's naturally the OLED. Oh, this was actually one of the biggest things that I liked about it. The fact that the refresh rate is higher now. Mm. So now we have a 90 hertz screen instead of 60 hertz. And obviously it won't do much for current AAA titles that you're playing there because the Steam Deck's probably going to have a hard enough time trying to get to 50 FPS. But if you're playing some older games at 90 FPS that's great and even playing some modern double a or indie games at a higher refresh rate that's i think that's great and i appreciate the fact that valve also isn't charging more for the new versions that it's pretty much just the same price it's just replacing what you already had and just making it better so i i do have to applaud them for that uh but you know, they they were true to their word. They said we have no uh, intention of making a Steam t- uh, Deck two because the hardware was not there. But they are just making taking what they had and made it better for people who didn't have it or maybe even want to just upgrade it. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's that's what I think. All right, so I definitely have some thoughts here. So as as you mentioned, obviously the number one thing was the the one thing that would always tempt me to buy a new portable PC was an OLED screen, and I mean there's obviously a bunch of other improvements that this model has made, but the OLED screen in and of itself was enough to convince me that I want this. Now, my initial thought was, I mean, like, I, I went from initially being like, okay, I don't think I'm going to upgrade because I've only had my Steam Deck for about a year and a half, and it still works great, still great condition, all of that. But then the more I kind of thought about it, and I remember how much of an upgrade it felt like when I went from the original Switch, or, well, from the V2 Switch, to the Switch OLED, and... It just became like, okay, I might have to look into selling my Steam Deck and getting myself that OLED. Um, And then, of course, seeing all the other improvements, it's like, okay, the the 90Hz screen, I think, is great. I don't know how many games are actually going to be able to take advantage of it. Probably, I mean, you like 2D games, it's probably going to be great. Like, I can imagine that probably uh, Guacamelee 2 is going to be 90 frames per second, no problem. Um, you know, like Hades, games like that easily should be able to do it, um, especially because Hades can do 60 on the Switch, so there's probably no reason it wouldn't be able to do 90 on the Steam Deck. Um, you know, I'll be curious to see how well uh, Metal Gear Solid 5 runs on there, because it's such a well-optimized game for PC, 
that it could very well be possible that it will run at 90. Um, I do think that very, very likely um, Prototype will probably run at 90 without a problem because that that game is also um, really, really well optimized from that standpoint. Um, So I'll be be curious on that. But yeah, I, I mean... You know all the all the upgrades you mentioned are just bonuses for me. Like I've been kind of going back and forth on whether I want to get the 512 or the one terabyte model, uh, partially because one of the things that people have said uh, the reviewers, because all the review units that have gone out have been the one terabyte one with the um, anti glare etched screen on them, and you know I've heard a couple people say that. The one problem with that type of screen is that it reduces the amount of uh, vibrancy that you get from the OLED screen. Um, but I also know how much I struggled in the past with doing um, doing games on like my my Switch, uh, at least the regular Switch, in like bright settings. So like when I've been traveling, um, I remember. I went up to Tennessee, what was it, last year? Yeah, last year I went up to Tennessee and it was like an eight-hour drive and my wife my wife, and I always split up the driving. So on my part of the driving, I was trying to play Dark Souls Remastered and the glare was so bad I just couldn't see the, the game at all. Whereas when I have played with the Steam Deck um, that has the anti-glare screen, it hasn't been a problem. Like, it's, it's still, there are times like when I'm, playing a game where it's really dark that it can be difficult especially like if i'm sitting out on my back porch or something but at least in the car typically i've not had any issues when i've had that anti-glare screen now i have i do not know for sure how like the switch oled does in that type of lighting that's something i really need to test out before i make my decision um but more likely than not i'm going to end up going with the one terabyte because it's not even so much necessarily the storage that's the thing, because I I can live with the 512, and I, I have a one terabyte micro SD already. Um, but the main thing is having having something where it will suit me in all situations. And even you know, with some of the other video tests I saw, the reality is that while the OLED may have been dimmed slightly by that. Uh, anti-glare screen it also it still helps a lot not having to deal with the glare of of lights and everything else when you're when you're dealing with stuff and it's kind of i think worth the sacrifice but what i what i'll probably end up doing is i'll probably try to see if tomorrow i can maybe um go sit out on my back porch during my lunch or something and see how the glare is with this with the OLED because I think the OLED can kind of make up for some of that, but I'm not entirely sure, and that will basically cement which one I go for. Um, but all that being said, I am um, planning to order the OLED tomorrow when it uh, that is as of recording time, which is Wednesday. I mean, it's, it's going to be available to order on Thursday the 16th. And so I'm, I'm going to be, I'm planning to order that. I, to help with the cost, because I know I'm not going to get anywhere near what I paid for my original Steam Deck. I'm, I 
I've sold some GameCube games. I was able to get some, some good money off of the four that I've sold so far. Um, and then there's uh, two more that I still have for sale that at least have bids on them. Hopefully they'll sell pretty decently. And then I remembered I had a couple of copies of uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars that are still sealed. Because I bought them when they were like 50 bucks a piece. Um, mostly just because, well, originally the plan was to give them to family members. But then one of my family members didn't end up getting a Switch and isn't planning to get one. And then the other family member ended up just buying my old Switch. So they had access to my digital library and I had the game digitally as well. So... There wasn't any reason to save them, and it's like, hey, I can make a profit on these, and it'll help towards the cost of my new Steam Deck. And I think the best I'm going to be able to get for my existing one is like 400 bucks, which is 250 less than I paid for it. But considering the fact that they're discontinuing this particular model um, and replacing it with the OLED, and they have the this model down to 450 for a new one. I definitely can't get as much for it as I would like to. At least not unless it I get to a point where it hasn't sold until after um, the all the new ones that Valve has in stock sell out. Because when those sell out, then maybe I could get more for this. But for now, that's not even an option. So... We'll see what happens. Hope, hopefully, though, between the the money I got for the GameCube games and the if I if I can sell these Mario 3D All Stars copies, that'll uh, pay for at least half of the cost of of the new Steam Deck. And either way, I'm excited about it. So I'm just hoping that it's something that will get here before Thanksgiving. Oof, yeah. Because I mean, I'll be ordering it. You know, tomorrow, so that it, depending on how quickly they ship it, it may be that quick, it may be longer. Um, but either way, I'm, I'm waiting to sell my other Steam Deck until after I get the OLED, especially because I want to do some transferring of stuff over to make it a little bit easier. And uh, also just to see how much, um, see how much I can get for it and everything. But so I'm still going to be using my Steam Deck until I get the new one. But yeah, I think that's think, about. Uh, oh, go ahead. Do you think that uh, Valve will be forced to uh, set things off from in order to a queue? Uh, because they did mention that they. So do you think that there will be so much demand that they'll be forced to move it over from? in people ordering it on like as they want to to okay we have to put in an a queue system just because there's so much traffic gotcha i see what you mean yeah um i would definitely say that probably when it first comes up it's there's a very good chance that could be the kind of thing that would happen um i imagine it's going to be slammed regardless tomorrow um and i do think i like that limited edition one that they have that has the transparent shell um, which is an extra 30 bucks. That one's definitely going to sell out and probably sell out fast. Um, but at least what, while I, I would not be surprised if there is some kind of queue that's required um, just because of you know how, how 
jammed they're going to be trying to sell, I mean, you know, people trying to buy this. I also think that they have their supply issues figured out enough to where it's not going to, they're not going to have the same issues that they had previously. Just because last, last year when they were selling them, they, you know, the supply was just, the supply chain was all messed up and they said that they don't, they don't really have that issue right now. So hopefully I won't have any problems getting mine ordered tomorrow and go from there. But hopefully next week I'll be able to talk talk about about the OLED and my experiences with it. Maybe even have a couple of comparison videos. But we'll see what happens. Uh, any other thoughts on Steam Deck OLED? Nope. This will just be a very interesting thing to see tomorrow. And next week. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so let's get into our next topic, which is that Sony has announced they are delaying half of their planned live service titles, which were originally supposed to be releasing, I think it was by the end of 2026, maybe I'm remembering my dates wrong, um, originally they were going to have 12 live service titles coming out, and now they've reduced it to 6 um, and I mean, I, I as far as I know, the the other six are still coming out. They're just delayed for the time being. Um, so, uh, your thoughts on this? I I think this is I I think the, the big thing is that this is an important thing to do. I think I don't think Sony is in a position where they were rushing out all twelve games would be wise, especially since they were having problems with what they were already working on especially with the last of us two factions mm -hmm. so i think that it's good that they're delaying it uh that i think these games definitely need more time but i i, I wonder though if i mean they aren't canceling it but i wonder if they should also try to think about in the long run as far as do with doing this if this is something that they want to necessarily go into because Live service games are a completely different beast from what they've been working with. I, I mean, they've done multiplayer before, but they focus so heavily on single player games that to go from primarily just doing that to making games that are fully uh, 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 live service games, I wonder if they want to sort of maybe, uh, without canceling what they have in the works, at least step back a little bit and try to get a better understanding of things, especially the, the plans they have further way down the road, because yes, they have Bungie helping them, assisting them, but Bungie also is going through some stuff on their own end, so I think that... Because I don't want them to... I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing for them to can all this their projects, but maybe try to maybe just incorporate multiplayer into the games that they have. Or if they're going to make games, just incorporate into those. So, for example, you have, say, a game like... Oh gosh, what was the last? I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of the last... Well, well, I mean Last of Us, but I'm trying to think of an older game that they had, or the last big game they had. And it probably would have been something like on the PS2, where they had a game that they released with a solid single player, but they also had a fun multiplayer game. 
uh, aspect in that as well. So I'm trying to think of a game that they released. Like, they well, they did do that in um in the Uncharted games, at least uh, two and three, okay. or maybe okay, it was just so, three. But yeah, I know those were pretty popular. Okay, so something like that. I feel like if they don't necessarily have to feel hard pressed to do live service games, I feel that if they just package a solid multiplayer game with a, with one of their single player games, I think that could really help with that, especially since they want people to play multiplayer games. They don't want to think that Sony is a pure single player game. I, and I don't understand that the reason they want to do that is also to get additional revenue because with these live service games, you do have those well, can have those additional microtransactions to add as revenue. So I do understand as to why they're doing that. But I guess to help incentivize people to want to play games in a multiplayer fashion without, say, having to buy a third-party game like Call of Duty or playing, I don't know, some other game, they could do that. In fact, ooh, one thing they could possibly do is, I mean, I think, I'm pretty certain people like this is resurrect kill zone and add a multiplayer aspect because i know that's a game that from the ps3 that had a single player but also had a multiplayer aspect as well so bring that back uh i feel like there's or maybe i'm thinking of a different one i feel like there was a stealth one i feel like sony made a stealth game too but also had uh multiplayer I, I don't know maybe i'm thinking of another game but i don't know I'm but I, sure. I just feel like I, I i i just hope they're not focused too much on live service that they that they just fumble the ball on what they're already doing well that i guess that's what i want to say but i i do appreciate the fact that they're not just trying to rush things out and just say all right we have these games that we want to put out let's get them out asap and completely mess things up there yeah. Um, to be real, I think that they just need to cancel these live service games. Um, I don't know. Well, they at least need to cancel some of them because this ambition is not going to go well. It's just not. I mean, even even if Bungie was, stu- was not having any issues right now, I mean, even with all their best advice... Having, I mean, crowding the market that much, trying to put out 12 live service games, or even six, as it is now, in a three-year time period. Yeah. I mean, these these games are not... I mean, I I realize that what they're probably trying to do is they're trying to put a bunch of them out and see what sticks, expecting that at least some of them are going to fail. And the reality is that probably all of them are going to fail. They might have one hitter, but the question is, how long will it remain a hitter? You know, I mean, you had we've had numerous uh, Destiny killers, so-called Destiny killers, over the years. And basically all of them are dead. Um, I think the only thing that is sort of still going is maybe the Division 2. But that's about it, and that one is not... It's it's definitely nowhere near as big as Destiny, even even in Destiny's current state. I think the Division 2 is still smaller than that. And that's also, you know, a sequel. Um, 
And like I, I like like the first division, you know, had had a similar issue, but we've had numerous other quote unquote destiny killers that just didn't do anything. And we've had lots of live service games released that some of them like they they hit really well initially and then they just died. Um, most of them didn't even hit well initially. They just they died pretty much immediately after launching. Um, and Sony's track record with live service so far, they've had, I think they've only released like one, maybe two, and they've died. Um, I know they're doing um, Helldivers. Is it Helldivers 2 or Helldivers 3? I can't remember. Uh, two. Two, okay. So that one's coming out next year. Both PlayStation 5 and PC, day and day. Um, actually looks kind of fun, to me at least, but I don't know how successful the first game was. I mean, I guess it must have been successful enough for them to do a second game, but um, I know that like some of the things they have in the works, we know that they're doing like a Horizon multiplayer, and they're supposed to be the Last of Us multiplayer, which at least is on ice for the time being. I don't think Killzone's going to make a return, but, um, well, actually, I'm trying to think. Killzone. There's Killzone, and then there's another one that they had that was originally developed by, by Guerrilla Games, which is who does the Horizon series now. Um, gosh, I know what it's called. It's on the tip of my brain, but I can't remember. But it was another shooter. Because it wasn't Killzone, it was a different one. I don't remember who developed kill, develops the Killzone games. But Was um, Resistance one of them? Resistance, those? that's it. That's what it was. Resistance, oh. yeah. Um, yeah, I'm... I don't know. I, th I think that they're... I, I, I understand what they're trying to do, because they want to have a live service game that hits well enough to where it can basically fund their other games. Like Destiny 2 was able to fund Bungie's other projects. Um, and yeah, if they can find something that actually hits, but the problem is I feel like they're just going to be losing so much money on these games that are going to fail that it just seems like they're ultimately throwing away money. They, I, it just seems like they, they should, like, if they want to do, like, three live service games and just devote a ton of resources to getting these things out, that's one thing. But, I mean, their single-player games are their bread and butter. And granted, their single-player games have, in many ways, kind of gotten stale because they're all, you know, third-person action, you know, with stealth elements and RPG elements. I mean, it's basically that they're, they're all very similar in the types of games they are. That's not to say that they're all the same, because they're not. There's definitely differences. And you have God of War that's very melee-focused, and you have, like, Horizon that's very bow-focused. You have Returnal that is um, probably the more unique of, of the different things because of the fact that it has that rogue... Uh, roguelike or roguelite, I can't remember which it is, uh, elements. Um, but, you know, then you have like Uncharted and Last of Us are, are very similar other than in their tone. 
um, they don't they don't have their own first person shooter anymore because Killzone's been dead for a long time and Resistance has been dead for a long time and I mean basically all the all the games that they previously made as their first party first person shooters are gone now. Um, I don't know. I just I don't have any faith in this in the live service. I think this live service bubble has basically burst already and it's just a disaster waiting to happen. I, I have a feeling that Sony's going to be having some serious financial issues in the future because of this decision to go with the life service model for so many of these games. And because of the fact that they've just kind of stopped being creative. They're, they're just not putting out a whole lot of new stuff anymore. And of course, getting rid of Japan Studio certainly didn't help with that. Mm. Because that was where you got some of the most interesting, unique games that were... I mean, that really helped to diversify what, what kind of games they made. So, yeah. Any other thoughts on that? Uh, no. So now we get into the fact that WB <laughs> is doubling down, if not tripling or quadrupling down, on having live service titles. Um, I'm going to just give some brief thoughts here, and then I will... I'll let you take it away. So, obviously I just made my thoughts very clear on how I feel about the focus on live service games. I do want to also, you know, mention that when it comes to WB, I think this is even more of a mistake because the one live service game they put out, um, at least as far as I know it's the only one they've really put out, was Gotham Knights, and that did not do well. So I'm not sure why they think that that's a good idea. Oh yeah, that's right. And then they have Suicide Squad coming up. And I guess they they did just do like another like trailer slash Q and A today. I totally forgot to yeah. look that up. Did you did you get a chance to look at that at all? I didn't have a chance to look at it, okay. uh, but uh, I, I I did. I, all I know is I heard I heard it was coming out uh, today. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I just I think it's a mistake. That's that's the complete TL uh, DL of my uh, of my thoughts on the matter. So, take it away. Yeah, I, I definitely thought that this was... I, I also think that this would, was going to be worse. Uh, I forgot about Gotham Knights, but thinking about Suicide Squad and the fact that that game was delayed in what was it twice (laughs) and so and to be honest i i was i i didn't really feel anything toward suicide squad even though the fact that this was a game that was being made by rocksteady the the same studio that brought us the arkham games yeah i i really thought that this one was going to be a huge uh, step down in terms of quality Primarily just because of the live service sort of elements. So, I mean, I don't think it's marketed as a live service game, mainly just a multiplayer game. But I don't know. It just really did not seem to have the same quality that was there in the Arkham games. But, you know, as you reminded me of Gotham Knights and thinking, are we really just going to get more of that in their games? And I definitely know that WB... Will would love to 
market these games because considering the fact that what they do with their primarily with their fighting games like with uh the mortal kombat games with the injustice games i guess what other fighting games they might have i know they mm-hmm. do try to they've sort of had these smaller i wouldn't necessarily call them microtransactions but they they're sort of the in-game currencies and stuff mm-hmm. like that i do know they've had that from what i've seen so i definitely know that they would love to just make a bunch of games with this type of uh style to it so i feel like that's something that really is just going to be detrimental to gamers and to the industry so i really saw no need for that to happen but especially as you mentioned gotham knights it's gonna be more of that more or less so i i really see no reason for them to do that and i mean i can't think of many other games that they've put out that i've enjoyed recently so i feel like that there really would be less reason for me to buy a game from them. Like, I think the last game that I bought that they made might have been... Well, maybe it was Arkham Knight. I think that's the newest game from them, apart from, say, maybe... Like, the Lego Hobbit (laughs) game. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I I think this is the the worst thing they could have done. Whereas... At least with Sony, they took a step back and said, maybe we should slow things down. But WD is saying, hey, let's speed things up. That's, yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't see this going well at all. And I I mean, I'll, I'll check out that Suicide Squad footage, uh, you know, the update later. See if it's actually something that is in any way, shape, or form more interesting, but... I, I've already gotten to a point where I, I don't want another live service game. Destiny kind of just took it out of me. Like, I'm going to finish up Destiny. I'll play it probably occasionally just for the sake of... Just because I like to shoot stuff and it's probably the game that has the best gunplay of any game. But, um, I don't know, just Suicide Squad did not look like something I wanted to play at all. Hmm. So many generic enemies and just not the type of game that I was interested in. Like, I love the Arkham games. Even Origins, which obviously wasn't made by Rocksteady, um, but was still a pretty solid game overall. But I just, I'm not interested in Suicide Squad. Now, if it was a single-player game and wasn't doing this live service, gear-based, all that kind of stuff, the looter-shooter kind of thing, then I might be more interested in it. But the problem is, is that what they're doing with the game, it's not that. It's it's trying to be another... Honestly, it's reminding me a lot of the Avengers game that came out. Oh, gosh. That's yeah. already died. <laughs> um, you know, a couple years after it came out. Or three years or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, that. that's the vibes I'm getting from it, is that it's going to be like that. Although, I will say that the character models are definitely better in Suicide Squad <laughs> than they were in Avengers because Rocksteady is very good at pushing the hardware. Um, which I can't say for for Gotham Knights since uh, it looks worse than Arkham Knight, but... Oh, goodness, yes. Though, to be fair, that one at least also has more going on on the screen at one time. When you're playing multiplayer. So from that standpoint. I can understand why. 
But anyway. Alright. So. We have more layoffs. With Unity this time. And what makes this most interesting. Is the fact that basically. Um, after all the drama that happened with Unity. With them trying to charge a bunch of extra money to developers. The CEO got uh, fired. I can't remember if it was that he fired, got actually got fired, or if, or if they said that he retired. I think that he, he got fired. I, I don't remember. So. Anyway, so the CEO got fired, got a nice golden parachute as he left, and now, after all of the difficulties that came as a result of this very poor decision... People who are going to feel the pain are the peons. The lower people are the ones who are going to feel the pain. And um, I didn't get a chance to look that closely at the article about whether or not it said anything about how many layoffs they're expecting. But uh, it, why don't you yeah, go ahead? Yeah, it didn't necessarily say. And they didn't say it was definite. But they definitely said it was likely that these layoffs would be happening, which I feel is more so corporate speak for it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Which, as you mentioned, it really sucks because these people did not make this decision. It was the previous CEO who said, hey, let's go ahead and uh, charge the developers to uh, f per download for per download for people who download these games and develop and the developer said, yeah, we don't want you to charge us money for people downloading our games because that's eating really going to eat in our revenue. So, and so of course, you know, because of that backlash, all these shareholders were selling because they thought, I mean, granted, they weren't even looking at it from the perspective of the developers, more so the fact that, oh no, there's backlash going on, so yeah. we should sell our shares. And so now the company is getting the backlash and instead of, you know, really pointing fingers at the person or people responsible, they're just saying, okay, uh, we'll just dismiss you, but here's your cut, I guess, and uh, we'll just cut off a lot of our staff just to uh, uh, just to stay ahead of our projected uh, earnings. So it, it's this is one of the worst situations, and I I feel like it's because of situations like this where I wish that I don't know if there's a specific reason as to why I don't know when this happened but I wish that Unity did not go public and had remained a private entity because I feel like that's some one of the reasons why a lot of these companies and I'm not saying that it doesn't happen with private companies but a lot of companies get into these sorts of situations because of the fact that they're more so concerned about their shareholders and their stocks instead of focusing on making quality products and wanting people to enjoy those products and knowing that in turn more people will use those products like and i and i i don't need and they're not a perfect example but take valve for example they're a private company they put out you know they have steam which is one of the well personally speaking it's the best uh storefronts on pc uh there are a couple things that i don't necessarily like that i think that you know could be better but it's the best thing that i think i'm ever going to see so far um 
and the reason for that is because Valve does a lot of pro-consumer stuff, and that incentivizes me to support them, which lets them do more stuff. And you know, they've put out the Steam Deck. Uh, they've listened to feedback from consumers, and they revised that for the OLED version. Um, mm-hmm. And that just incentivizes consumers to buy that one. So it uh, that I guess. I, and again, I'm not saying that's like going to apply for every private company, and I and I do know that there are certain times which I've heard that peop, that companies have had to uh, be acquired by a larger company in order to stay afloat. Like we mentioned this with Bungie, how they said that if the deal didn't happen with Sony, they would have gone under. Possibly, uh, Activision said that. But at the same time, though. Well, granted, those were just acquisitions, but with going public, though, you lose any kind of independence that you have. And so mm-hmm. I feel like that's something. And of course, that doesn't necessarily apply because we do have other companies. I mean, granted, they've got problems, but Capcom is a public company, but they still put out some pretty decent stuff, though. But I, I, I just feel that with some companies, though, they focus too much on the corporate side that they forget about what consumers want they also forget about their own employees in, in a sense like that because it's something that I don't think should have happened and you've mentioned this before with back in the dark days of Nintendo how uh, the former president cut his own pay just so they could keep the empo- employees that's yeah. something that I feel like should have happened here but i mean of course it would have been better if they had decided not to make that decision that they did but if they had taken responsibility for it and said we messed up here uh we should not have made this decision in order to keep our staff we will trim our salaries for this period at least until we can uh get things back on track but they didn't do that and so I feel like this is going to hurt Unity. It might, it might not, but I feel like this is something that is going to possibly hurt Unity for a while because I'm pretty certain that developers still don't completely trust Unity because they've already showed their hands as far as what they could do or what they would do. Um, and more people are just probably just going to flock to Unreal Engine or maybe even the other open source engine, Godot. Uh, so, eh, I don't know. This is something that's really going to hurt them. But yeah. I still feel sorry for the employees who will likely be cut because I, I this is definitely, I see this as a definite. This isn't something that is just a likely. Right. Yeah, I can only hope that uh, these employees who get cut are able to just take advantage of the situation, you know, use this as uh, basically leverage to help them find another job at a different company. You know, get get away from Unity. Uh, just see it as an opportunity to get away and go to some other company where hopefully they'll be able to thrive and you know continue to work hard without having to deal with the nonsense that what that happened with Unity. All right. Any more thoughts on that? Uh, no, no. I think I'm. I think I've 
book and everything that I had. All right. So, we just got the nominees on Monday for the Game Awards. And there has been some controversy on on some of these nominations, for sure. <laughs> um, I think, you know, there there's... Are, are, were there any particular... Uh, any particular categories that stood out to you, uh, apart from Game of the Year, which we can spend more time on? Well, one that I actually looked at just because I was very curious about this because I it's not something that I necessarily think about per se but also just because I was curious to know what people were thinking mm-hmm. was the most anticipated category oh yeah uh, just because looking ahead as to what games will be coming out and I forgot about Hades 2 being announced and right. that reminded me <laughs> that it is coming out but also I, I'm, I'm, whoops. I'm not entirely certain it what the, if it stated what the criteria was. Like, let me quickly pull this up. I, I, the, the only thing Jeff Keeley said in the announcement is that these are games that have been officially revealed. So it's not counting anything that ha- doesn't have an actual reveal to it that hasn't been officially announced. Okay, because the only reason why I mention this is because I thought that. I don't know. I feel like Tekken 8 shouldn't be here because isn't that a game that's almost about to come out? I feel like... I, I Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like that game, my, from I remember, is coming out within a month or two. So I feel like another game, another game should have had that place there. Yeah, I'm not sure when that one's coming out. Um, I think, actually, at least some of these are... Well, I don't know about like Star Wars Outlaws. I think that one got delayed by quite a bit, and Hades doesn't really have a release for it. Um, but I think Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is supposed to be early next year. I don't know if they have a date. I, well, they don't have a date set for it yet, as far as I know. But um, like a dragon, I, I'm sure that one has a date. I just don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, ah, no. uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just, just going to say, I feel like we got robbed. Uh, Orange Box Podcast was in Content Creator of the Year. We got robbed. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to have viewers for that first. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, the this uh, these most anticipated games. I mean, of course, I look at this list and three of the five I don't, I don't care about at all. Mm. Um. But Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, of course I care about it. I just have no idea when it's coming to PC. I'm hoping it's not nearly as much of a delay as it was between uh, the PS4 and PC versions of VII Remake. Because I, I Rebirth is going to be a day one purchase for me when it comes to PC. Well, that is assuming it's not Epic Games exclusive, which I don't think it uh. will be. Square Enix hasn't been releasing their games as Epic exclusives in a while. I think, actually, 7 Remake was probably the last one they did that way. And the rest of them have all been on Steam day one. So. Um, but, let's see here, some other things. Um, Ghost Runner did get a nomination, Ghost Runner 2, um, under Best Action Game, I believe that was the category. Let me bring it up here. Yep, it did. That's the only the only nomination it got 
Um, obviously, I voted for that because I want it. I mean, I think it is the best action game. I think that there are other games, uh, other categories it could fall into. Um, you know, it, it would. It's definitely an indie game, so I think it could go in that category. Um, speaking of indie games, though, one of the cat the indie game category. I don't know if you saw this, but Dave the Diver was one of the games that was uh, was nominated, and it's not actually an independent game. Really? Because uh, so I let me let me look it up real quick. Uh, I it's the studio is a subsidiary of like a a big big corporation. Um, so let me look that up. So it was I know Mint Rocket because. Um, Alex covered this in his video. Um, Rocket. Oh yes, owned by Nexon, which is a Japanese company. Um, or I'm sorry, no, Nexon is a South Korean company. Um, and let's see here. established in 1994. Um. Yeah, they're they they became they went public in 2011, and they acquired Big Huge Games, which is a mobile game developer in Maryland. Um, let's see here. Yeah, they, I mean, they have investments in, in big companies like Hasbro, Bandai, Bandai Namco, Konami, Sega Sammy. Um, and they have, you know, partnerships with Bandai Namco, Square Enix, and Microsoft for various games and stuff. But anyway, the point is, is that Nexon is not a small corporation. This is not an independent studio. They are owned by a big corporation. So... It, it so, shouldn't even it shouldn't even be in this category. I mean, it looks great, and everything I've heard from everybody who's played it has said that it's it's excellent, um, and I'm sure it is. But it's it's not independent, so it shouldn't be in this category. And there are definitely other games that could have been put in here, like <laughs> Ghost Runner, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, among others. You know, even if Ghost Runner didn't make it in, you know, there's definitely other titles that could have could have been in yeah, this category. That's... Yeah, that, that's really weird, because if you think about then, what would disqualify another game? Like, say, for example, wait, who made Hi-Fi Rush anyway, let me think? Oh, uh, that's a Tango Game Works. Okay, so they technically wouldn't count as being an indie game. No, then, no, think. not at all. Yeah, because I, I was, I was saying, I couldn't remember if that was a fully indie game or not. Okay, so never mind that. I, I was saying, what would stop like a game like that from being there? But yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it looks like there's some good ones in this. Um, like, I don't 
I thought Dredge looked interesting. I, I only kind of vaguely remember what, what it was about, but it, I remember that it looked pretty cool. Sea of Stars, of course, I've heard oh, great yeah, things yeah. about. I'm looking forward to playing that one. Viewfinder looks really neat because uh, I'm a big fan of puzzle games. I thought that one was super interesting. I haven't had a chance to play it, but it's definitely one that's on my radar. And Cocoon is another one. Um, trying to remember. I can't remember if that one's more puzzle or if it's Metroidvania or I can't remember exactly what it is, but it was one that I saw and I, it looked great. It looked like my kind of game, so... And it is free on Game Pass for people who have Game Pass. Um, I think Sea of Stars might be free on Game Pass too. I can't remember. But yeah, there's lots of different categories here. Of course, um, you know, obviously games like Spider-Man and um, uh, you know Baldur's Gate, Alan Wake Two, all made made a lot of these lists. Tears of the Kingdom, Mario Wonder, stuff like that, all all made the list. Um, but game of the year. So I think your your list was was closer to being accurate than mine. But we had some some pretty significant controversy here. And actually, you know what? Real quick, I want to back up. I just want to say, with um, RPGs, this is the only our, our best role playing game. The only category where Starfield was nominated. Wow. So so the RPG category, you got Baldur's Gate 3, Final Fantasy 16, which is more action RPG, but I, I, is still technically an RPG. Lies of P, which is mm. kind of RPG, but not... Uh. I mean, I mean, it, it is a little bit, but it's not fully... I mean, it, it, I guess it is basically in the same sense as like Dark Souls and that sort of thing. Um, like it's a, but yeah. but it's it's not necessary. I mean, it's not necessarily the best fit for the category. It probably would have fit better as action category. Yeah. Um, and then you know, Sea of Stars definitely RPG. Starfield definitely RPG. Um, but there are definitely other games that could have gone in the in those slots. I mean, like Octopath Traveler two came out earlier this year. Oh, yeah. I haven't even had a chance to play it yet. Um, I have it, but I haven't had a chance to play it. And um, everyone has said it's a huge improvement over the first game. And that the music is also phenomenal, which the first game had phenomenal music. So I'm sure that the second game is, is also on that level. But um, yeah. So Question. Mm-hmm. did, didn't a Kirby game come out this year? Um, no, that was last. Or, yes, actually, well, this year, it's just the, uh, basically remaster of a Wii game, Return to Dreamland. Okay, never mind that. The, uh, okay. for, for, Forgotten Land came out last year. Okay, because I'll, I'll say, I'm surprised I've not seen it in the best family category, but that that's why, right. because it came out last yeah. year. Yeah. But, um, actually, yeah, let's look at the family category. We're, we're doing okay on time. So the family category, we have obviously Mario Wonder, uh, Sonic Superstars, Pikmin 4, which I didn't even, I guess, I guess it has multiplayer, uh, Party Animals, which I could, I guess I could see that fitting in the family category and Disney Illusion Island, which I don't, I, I think that one was like a 2D platformer, if I remember correctly, hmm. um, could potentially be a fun game, but yeah. Definitely. It's hard for me to think of what else would fit in this category because most of the 
family type games I played this year came out last year or earlier. But um, any other categories before we talk about the uh, game of the year? Uh, no, no, nothing else catches my eye. All right. So the game of the year discussion, uh, as, as I mentioned before, this is something where uh, you got more of them right than I did. But um, I think collectively, collectively, we basically got the list correct mm. uh, between the two of us. So the nominees are Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, no surprise there. Marvel Spider-Man 2, no surprise there. <laughs> Resident Evil 4 Remake. Which obviously is just labeled as Resident Evil 4, Super Mario Wonder, and Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So, some interesting things with this. One of the things is that, number one, we have a remake in the category. When there's lots of other games that could take that spot instead. Um, lots of other games. Now, yes, it was critically acclaimed, absolutely. I'm sure it's an excellent game. I have no doubts about that, but it is a remake. We need to have a separate category for remakes and remasters. It It's not fair for a remake to make it into Game of the Year category, unless you're just really struggling to, to make up the list. And this year had so many big games come out that there's no reason that this should be in that category. Um, most of the games, like I think, having having them in these cat this category makes makes sense. You know, they're they're big games. Um, there's obviously a lot of frustration from Xbox fans in particular, but even just fans of Starfield in general that it didn't make the list. And, um, I, I mean, I would say that. It probably would have been a good fit for Resident Evil 4 slot, but even if it wasn't there, putting something else in that slot that was actually like a new game and not just a remake. Um, uh, and then uh, Hogwarts Legacy got completely snubbed. It didn't get nominated for anything at all. And it's probably just because the critics don't like J.K. Rowling. And that's really how it comes down to. Because um, it was very positively received as as a game. Um, even people I know who are like absolutely despise J.K. Rowling because of her stances on on certain issues um, have said that they really enjoyed the game, and it's because you know they they like Harry Potter and you know they're willing to put their feelings about the creator aside because she was only she was involved in that she created the universe but the game itself she didn't really have much of any involvement with and you know separating the art from the artist um anyway your thoughts on game of the year and controversies and so on uh i i definitely agree with you that remakes and remasters shouldn't get into uh the game of the year category um i mean especially with remasters remakes i feel like uh, i on one hand i could almost defend it 
if there's a lot of work that goes into it that differentiates it. Uh, like, for example... What, did, did, didn't they call... Okay, no, they didn't call it that. They did say it was a remaster. I was to say, like, The Last of Us. No, they did call Last of Us a remake. They, they did they? call it a remake, yeah, like, but I don't... I, it, like didn't, that, it didn't make it in... I don't that, even think that I made it into Game remaster. of the Year last year. So... But... I feel like a game like that especially should not make it. I think from what I've seen and heard, Resident Evil 4 is a bit different, but I still feel like you should have something separate, a separate category for remakes and remasters. Yeah. But on the same hand, though, I feel like they might not do that just because are there enough games that get released that aren't just, say, straight-up ports that are actual remasters or remakes um i mean granted <laughs> granted well, sony seems to be doing that a lot so sony yeah. could actually clear that category <laughs> right. but I, well, um i i don't think yeah. that there are enough games that possibly warrant that for them mm -hmm. um but i definitely feel like a game another game could have made it here whether it's starfield um whether it's uh Hogwarts Legacy, whether it's Ghost Runner 2, uh, another game could have made it there. Um, uh, yeah, and I mean, even with what well, what what was it like? Where where is it? Even in if it'll load. Okay, never mind. It wasn't there. I'll say it. It wasn't. Oh. Armored Core 6 came out this year, too. I forgot yeah. about that game could have been there. Wow. Yeah, that game could have been there as well, but... Wow. Yeah, yeah. Resident Evil 4... Yeah, that, that should not be here at all. Uh, hmm. that, that's a real... That, that, that's a real shame right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I will at least give them credit and say Resident Evil 4 is a big step up over the original in terms of visuals and uh, the way the game handles and everything else from what I've seen. I mean, yes, it's virtually the same exact story. Um, I think, like, all the scenarios are basically the same. It's just... But it is significantly upgraded. Whereas, like, The Last of Us Part 1 is... They call it a remake, but really they basically just did the equivalent of what Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition did, where they replaced the face and hands. Um, and, you know, like, maybe modified a couple other things, but they have a lot of the same problems as it had before, so it's it's definitely not a full remake, regardless of what they try to claim. Um, either that, or they just made some of the same coding mistakes. That's possible, too. But... Um... Yeah, I mean, there's just a whole lot of games that came out this year, and it's such a shame to see a remake put in this category when there's so many other games that could have made it in. And, um, I, I mean, when it really comes down to it, if you look at these lists, these nominations, none of it matters. Who cares what, what these... Uh, you know, uh, critics say. A lot of times, I don't even agree with what critics say on their reviews. You know, critics will positively review something that I 
don't like at all. Critics will pan something that I love. And the reality is no matter which side of anything you're on, you know, whether you're a big Xbox fan, PlayStation fan, PC fan, Nintendo fan, whatever, it doesn't matter who wins these awards because whatever your game of the year is, that's what matters for you. And I mean, like, you know, in looking at this list here, I mean, Tears of the Kingdom is the only one I've actually played. And while it's not my personal game of the year, of these six, I would choose Tears of the Kingdom. Now, I haven't played Mario Wonder. I'm sure if I played Mario Wonder, I might I might end up choosing that. I can guarantee you I would not choose Spider-Man, <laughs> Alan Wake, Resident Evil, Baldur's Gate. Not to, not to say that they're most of them are not quality games, but just like Alan Wake, as much as I liked the first game, and I've heard great things about the second game, I know it wouldn't be my game of the year because it's just not it's not a game that brings me the kind of joy and like everything else. Whereas Ghost Runner just like checked all the boxes for me. And Tears of the Kingdom was, in many ways, a big improvement over Breath of the Wild. It just wasn't as fresh as Breath of the Wild was at the time. So, that's the one thing that it has as its downside, unfortunately. And it also just kind of came at a different time. Because, like, Breath of the Wild came at the perfect time for me. I was I was right in the middle. Uh, I mean, like, a big change-up happened. I was getting ready to move um, from a job I had been at for, like, nine years almost nine years moving to a completely different part of the state because um, I was still in Alaska at the time and um, it was like my oasis at the end of the day whenever I needed a break from all the packing and everything else just like and of course those last couple weeks were especially crazy because a whole bunch of stuff happened at work to where basically I was working like 12-hour days, and we were very short-staffed and trying to train new people um, to replace and everything. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom ended up being a great game, despite um, not coming out in at, at as good of a time and not being as fresh. Um, so, of the six, it would definitely get my vote for Game of the Year. Um, but, ultimately, as I said before, these rewards Awards don't really matter. Honestly, the main thing about this show, more than anything, is the other reveals that can be fun. And, um, I, well, let's see here. It's December 7th, I think, is when the show is, if I'm not mistaken. So, I'll probably, uh, watch it. I'll see if I can watch it live. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be able to. It's really just going to depend on editing the podcast. But, um, at the very least, I'll... I'll definitely uh, go back into it after it airs and then just like fast forward through and just check it out, check out all the reveals and see how it goes. All right. Um, yeah, I definitely would not personally choose any of these games for my game of the year. Granted, I haven't really played too many games that released this year. I probably mm-hmm. have only played about five or six games that released. I've been primarily playing games that either came out last year or came out quite before but uh i i definitely would say i granted this wouldn't necessarily fall into game of the word game of the year award category just because of the fact that uh we discussed 
remasters and remakes, but uh, Metroid Prime Remaster <laughs> would be my game of the year. But for a non-remaster game, I definitely would say, well, the one game that I played this year that I actually enjoyed and thought was decent was a uh, indie game called Gunbrella. I thought that was okay. a pretty decent uh, 2D platform uh, shooter. Um, it's pr the the controls are pretty sleek once you get into once you understand it. Uh, but it's a nice little sort of run and gun game. But yeah, uh, I, I although I am uh, I might watch game of the uh the game of the game awards show. I'm not certain. Um, I know that I didn't really watch. I didn't watch it last year, and mm -hmm. I watched it back I, I watched it a couple years ago and that was really just so I could put out a meme video <laughs> because I, I actually had two videos prepared for whether one game was going to win or not but uh okay that like you mentioned before the game the game awards they aren't the definitive way for you to for someone to understand if they want to if they like a game or not uh like you mentioned there are games that critics like that i don't necessarily care for right um i although i might actually watch it primarily for announcements that that actually is one yeah. reason why i i would want i would watch it is just to see what games are going to come out in the future so for that reason, I might say have it on in the background, mm -hmm. and then maybe I'm just like actually playing a game while yeah. <laughs> that's going on. So that might actually be what I do this year. Yeah, I'll probably be doing something like that, but it'll just kind of depend because I can't remember what time it actually starts, and I know that it's different than it was in previous years when I was in Alaska and you know three hours behind, but behind Central Time and everything, but now i think it'll probably be a later thing so i don't know. we'll see what happens but um either way you know like i said before those of you who are just you know big fans or fanboys or whatever don't take these awards seriously just enjoy what you enjoy you know who cares what other people think if starfield's your game of the year great you know that's fantastic be happy that you got to play a game that you love. And don't worry about what Twitter and what YouTube and what the game, the, what the Keeleys say about it. You know, who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, but anyway, I think that's enough of that. So let's go ahead and start our closeout process. Since last week I messed up the order, I'm going to go ahead and start by asking for your recommendation and dissuasion for this week. Alright, so my recommendation for this week is for people to organize their files. Uh, and I know that for you, uh, for people who have used PCs for a longer time, uh, this might be just be preaching to the choir or just, you know, doing the basics, but for people who might not think about it, organizing your files is one of the best things you can do uh, just to have everything neat and tidy so that way if you're looking for a file you don't know you, you might say okay it's in my uh c it's obvious or it might be in my documents or it might be in my main folder but 
if you have a bunch of files, uh, especially if you have files that you should be naming but you don't name, uh, that's going to be a, a, bi a big problem. So make sure that you organize your files, make some subfolders, that's a big help there. So that way you can organize, especially if you're working on projects, if you're just say have your own collections of games. Uh, like there's a lot of stuff that really helps into that. It's something that I sadly uh, only learned when I was in college where my media teacher was saying, yeah, something that you all should get into is organizing your folders, organizing your files. And I didn't, I, I it didn't stick with me. Uh, I just thought, okay, I'm just gonna do it for this class. It wasn't until after I had graduated and actually thought about it and started applying it where I thought, why didn't I do this sooner? It, it, it makes my life a whole lot easier by organizing all of my files, organizing my folders. Uh, it keeps, the, especially now with making videos and editing, having everything, especially if you're going to multiple screenshots of different stuff, having your stuff organized makes the process a whole lot easier rather than just having a bunch of stuff scrambled around. Like, it's madness. Yeah. So I definitely would say organize your files. Yeah, I wish I was better about that. I just have, you know, a decade worth of stuff on my computer and just uh, I, I need to do better organization. Like I, I, I think about it once in a while, but it's just it's an undertaking. It's, it's a process that's going to take time and I have to be motivated to just take the time to do it. I wish that I could just. Uh, organize my files on my personal computer during my work hours when I when I when it's slow at work. I would love to do that because then be like, hey, that way I can be productive, more productive when when it's uh, when there's not as much for me to work on. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty terrible about that. I, I try to do it more, but so, sometimes it's just difficult with the amount of information that I'm dealing with. Um, but anyway, great recommendation. My recommendation is to experiment with food, uh, particularly breakfast burritos. <laughs> Try different things. Um, one of the things that I like to do a lot is when I have random leftovers that don't necessarily, you wouldn't think would go with a breakfast burrito. Try adding them. Like one of the things I did um, was when I was at my in-laws over the summer, we had some leftover, um, some type of beef roast and mashed potatoes. And I, so what I did was I took the mashed potatoes and I did my best to form them basically into a patty, like hash brown patty. And I cooked those up and added those to the pan. And then I chopped up some of the roast and, um, added it to I mean, you know, sauteed that a bit with some onions and some peppers and then added that to eggs with a little bit of uh, nacho cheese sauce and like mixed all that together and then put that all in a burrito. It was fantastic. And then like um, yesterday we had we went over to a friend's house for for dinner and he gave us some leftovers to take with us because he's a single guy doesn't have doesn't want to have all those leftovers. Um, so I took some of the leftover uh, chicken and rice that he made for us and tossed the chicken in with the eggs and um, did the rice along with some black beans um, and then did like some sriracha and some onion 
in the burrito and it was that's what I had for dinner tonight. It was fantastic. So, <laughs> oh, and then this morning, some because uh, I, I like breakfast burritos are my thing. Um, this morning, so, so I, I uh, smoked some salmon uh, the other day, which I, I've attempted a few times, and this is the first time I've actually gotten it right. I didn't mess it up by getting the temperature up and actually cooking the salmon. Because uh, the the thing about to get salmon locks, because if you I don't know if you've ever had locks, you being over on the east coast, maybe you have. Um, but it's like it's a smoked salmon and it's almost it's almost has a rock raw texture because it's basically it's cured and then smoked uh, cold smoked. And uh, typically it's served like on a bagel with cream cheese. Sometimes, mm. you know, they'll add other stuff like avocado and spinach, things like that, which is delicious. But what I did this morning was I did white rice in the burrito and then. I tossed some cream cheese in with the eggs to get it melty. And then um, I did some of the smoked salmon and some pickled red onions in there. Like I said, try try out different things. I don't know how well like spaghetti would necessarily work with a breakfast burrito. I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to trying it, but at the same time, that one's a little, that goes a little farther than I would normally go. But just just try different things. It's it's a, it's a good way to come up with combinations that you wouldn't think of otherwise, and it can be a good way to use leftovers too, especially if it's leftovers that you're not like like you don't want to eat the same thing all the time. And this is a way to mix things up. So that's my recommendation. Well, I definitely have to refer to you as the king of breakfast burritos now. <laughs> you've got you've got a breakfast burrito for everything now. Oh man, I I do lots of different unique things with breakfast burritos. It's 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 like my, my favorite food because they're so versatile. There's so many different things you can do with them, and it's so much fun. Especially when it comes out delicious. I I I think I've had the occasional one that was a bomb that just wasn't very good. But typically, they come out really good. So, so your dissuasion for this week. All right. Uh, this is actually one that is just in time for Thanksgiving. I prob I, I missed I missed it for Halloween, but I'm I'm going to get in time for this one. So, the Charlie Brown specials are coming out. They are going to only be available on. Apple Plus only now. Do not watch it on Apple Plus. Um, that's something that should have remained on broadcast, uh, on public broadcast. You know, watching it on ABC or whatever station you had. Watch that with your family. Do not watch it. Do not pay Apple to watch that. Now that being said, and this is something that sort of leans toward a. 1.5 recommendation is to instead buy the Peanuts Deluxe Collection. Wow, it's a little blurry here. Buy the Peanuts Deluxe Collection. Uh, you can get you can get six Peanuts specials. So you get uh, the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. You can get Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. You can get it's uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas. I think it also comes with Happy New Year, Charlie Brown valentine's day charlie brown and the easter beagle you get all of those classics sure you're paying 20 dollars up front but you can watch that 
anytime you want to, you can watch that every year. You don't have to pay Apple to watch these. You have that right there. So do that instead. Do not pay Apple to watch what should be available for everyone to watch. You know, I missed it for Thanksgiving, for, for Halloween. You can watch this. I'm going to watch, actually, uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving over the weekend. Uh, so do that, and especially do it once Christmas time comes around. Watch that. Don't pay Apple. Just watch it there. That that That's my dissuasion. <laughs> it's sort of a recommendation, too, but... Primarily yeah. a dissuasion. Yeah, my wife will be happy to hear you talk about Charlie Brown because she's she grew up on Peanuts and uh, uh, we got our kids into it as well. Because um, like I didn't really grow up with it all that much, but my wife did, and we we got we actually have the DVDs of the 1960s and 1970s collections that I bought for her probably early on when we first got married, so like you know, 14 plus years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we we typically will watch all of those, you know, each of those for the different holidays. So all great stuff. Um, as a side, a dual side note on, on that on Charlie Brown. So uh, one, have you did you watch the uh, the movie that came out in 2015? I did not watch that. I, I wanted to see it uh, when it was in theaters, but I did not have a chance to see it. Okay, and so I have not gone around to uh, picking up the DVD or Blu-ray. Okay, either. so there's a couple things I want to say about that. Number one is, it's interesting. Um, that movie was supposed to be coming out the week, the weekend before my oldest son was born, and then my oldest son ended up coming ten days early. So we were originally going to go see that in the theater when it came out because because my wife's such a huge Peanuts fan. Um, we didn't end up getting to see it until quite a while after. It is fantastic. I mean, it does reuse some of uh, some earlier storylines and everything, but it's it's fantastic. It does such the the animation style is perfect as far as I'm concerned because you know it's it's 3D, but it it feels like like the original cartoons from that standpoint. Um, it's you know family friendly. It's very clean. You know, it's it's exactly what you would expect from Charlie Brown. So hmm. it's well worth your time. Um, but the other side of that is I forgot to ask you, did you end up watching the Mario movie this past week? I will, ha- I will have that for you next week. I will have that for you next okay. week. That and is my e- guarantee. E- even, <laughs> even if you, even if you don't end up liking it as much, you know, that's okay. But I still want to hear what you have to say about it. Cause we watched it again this past week. Cause my daughter, it was my daughter's turn to pick the movie. And that was the one she wanted to watch. <laughs> so, um, but okay, all right. My dissuasion. I want to dissuade you from buying the PlayStation Portal. Um, I, not even just because of all it doesn't do, but because from uh, looking at some reviews, I mean, you know, there have been people who have had positive experiences, but there are also people who have had really bad experiences where it's really laggy. Um has big problems and it's like it's literally supposed to do one thing and if it doesn't do that one thing well then it's not worth your money so um i'll i'll be keeping i mean like i know that there's quite a few guys in in the discord that i'm part of who um were really looking forward to this as much as i tried to convince them the steam deck would be a much better investment but um you know most of them are 
they're PlayStation fanboys, at least to to an extent. Uh, they they play more than PlayStation, and they're they're not they're not PlayStation fanboys in the same sense as the ones that we make fun of all the time. Um, but they are they are very hardcore. They they love PlayStation, and they're they're more willing to defend PlayStation than not. But anyway. I'll be. I'll wait and see. You know what they happen to say about it when they actually play it. But I have a feeling that there's probably going to be a bit of excusing the per- poor performance, either that or saying that it doesn't have any problems. And I don't know. It's going to be a mixed bag on the experience. But I think that if if it's not something where universally you're having a great experience, or like 99% of the time then it's probably not worth the money because it doesn't do anything else. It only does the one thing, and if it doesn't do it as well as it should, then it's not worth your money. Buy a Steam Deck instead. $200. <laughs> yeah, but buy a used Steam Deck. Right now is is perfect time to buy a Steam Deck too because even if you don't want to spend the extra money on the OLED model, which, I mean, the OLED model is going to be the best version you can get, but, you know, you can get... Um, I mean, they've steeply discounted the two models that are being discontinued, the 64 gigabyte model and the 512 gigabyte model of the LCD. You can, If you go for the 64 gigabyte model, I think that one's only $350. I mean, it didn't get as much of a discount as the other model did, but it's also um, something that's super easy. To, you can very easily get a one terabyte hard drive or uh, SSD for like uh for like 80 bucks 80 90 dollars and you can i mean you basically just take off the back plate slide out the one drive and then slide in the new one it's super simple um from everything i've seen so you could do that it'll save you i mean you'll spend more than you would on the playstation portal but you'll be able to do what the playstation portal can do and a whole lot more a whole lot more it's so much more worth your money but and that'd be true, really, with any handheld PC, pretty much. So, um, yeah, you could even do more with the Switch than that. Yeah, you you technically can. And oh yeah, it doesn't even. It, they've said that it doesn't even work with. Um, it doesn't even have like apps for like Netflix or anything else like that either. Netflix or YouTube or. Spotify, whatnot. So it's like you, you can't even you can't even put applications on it. It's Android based. I'm sure someone's going to hack it, and it probably won't take long for someone to hack it and actually make it able to do those things. But at least right now, it's not able to do those things. And you know, the, this is something I'm just going to predict this right now. I'm sure that some of the people I know who are PlayStation fanboys to the light light degree, like I was saying before, they will probably. Um, I mean, initially they'll defend the fact that it doesn't do a whole lot because they, they're already doing that. I mean, it's 200 bucks; it's cheaper than Steam Deck, all that. But um, they'll even be defending the fact that it doesn't do basic things like have streaming, have access to streaming services. Um, and actually, you know, now that I think about it, it's not the fact that it doesn't have the applications because we already knew that was going to be the case. It's that you can't even stream them from your PS5 to that because of the copyright protections or, or not the uh, the DRM it's not the DRM but it's anyway it's 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 one of those things it's like you know I, I know with the PS4 you have to you have to turn off 
certain uh, protections in order to be able to um, record gameplay off your PS4 directly, you know, apart from just using the, sh the share function. Um, and um, it, it, you, there is a way to bypass that, at least with that aspect, but that won't do you any good for streaming stuff. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I'm sure that once once someone figures out how to... I was, some of these people have said to me that one of the reasons they don't want to do Steam Deck is because it's not plug-and-play enough for them. And they don't want to have to tinker with anything. And yes, <laughs> I, I understand that, but at the same time also say that the tinkering is not as much as you might think it's going to be, and most of the time you really can get by without doing any tinkering. But I guarantee you that whenever there is an option to tinker with the PlayStation Portal in order to be able to do those additional things, that they'll be willing to make that kind of tinkering process because it's a PlayStation product. Anyway. I will say, if, if any of you are any of you who know who I'm talking about, I mean, because I don't know how many of the people in the Discord will actually watch or listen to this, know that I still love you. I still think of you as friends. I like you, but let's be real. It may be it to a light degree, but you are PlayStation fanboys. So, all right, that's it. What I got for my dissuasion? Anything else? No, sir. All right. So, where can people find you? You can find me at my channel, I am Zeracon. That is I A M X C R A C O N. All right, and you can find me on youtube.com slash at thefrozengamer87. Not really planning to put out any content for a while. I will occasionally stream games just for fun. Um, stream to the end of Ghost Runner 2, basically the last uh, like four hours that it took me to finish it this past week. And um, I might do some Metal Gear Solid and in the not too distant future or maybe some other stuff maybe maybe even do Final Fantasy 7 a little bit since that one I got um, set up to where I could actually record it on my PC and stream it and all that but otherwise that's that's really it so I am the Frozen Gamer 87 that is I am Zaracon. check out his Steam Deck OLED video by the way we are the Orange Box Podcast and until next time Hindsight is 50-50. You ever hear that? Orange Box Podcast, out.